Real subtle, right? Man, we got some good writers here at Praise, I have to say. Good stuff. Good stuff. I am glad that you are here today. Um, tonight, if you didn't catch it because you were just trying to figure out how many times we could reference uh, the Super Bowl tonight, there is a little bit of a different situation tonight as far as child care. Um, a lot of our community groups are actually going to be taking this evening and having a Super Bowl party um, because who's in it? Uh, oh. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? A couple things are funny. Um, a couple things are funny. First thing that's funny is my, my, my daughter, my, my wonderful, lovely daughter, does not like it when we cancel church. Right? And you know what she said to me? She said, you mean you're canceling church for a football game? And so, um, yes, we are. Uh, except for, for those who are super spiritual, there will be a service in here tonight uh, with Pastor Burris. Uh, truly, if you're, if you're, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, it'll be a little bit different. There won't be a fellowship time afterwards because I know um, it'll be a little different crowd tonight. But if you're like, I don't care at all about the Chiefs or the 49ers or the NFL or football or whatever, join them tonight. They are going to be in here and having a good time. There will not be child care because it's really difficult to uh, provide because a lot of the community groups are getting together. Ours is having a Super Bowl party. Um, and so for four and a half hours worth of child care, um, they can get a little wild during that time. And so as part of that, there won't be child care. Um, but, but either go to a community group and have a good time or be here at Praise and have a good time. The youth will be having a Super Bowl party and back. Um, it'll be great for the first half, but then when they're down at the half and not doing well, then it's going to be a super bummer the rest of the time. So I do want to mention last week, um, not last week, no, yeah, it was last week, uh, Jeremiah Hembry was telling me a story from their community group. They started leading a community group just a few weeks back. Um, and uh, their group was, um, uh, it had moved during the time in between the fall and the spring semester. So they moved to a new place. And so as part of that transition from one uh, house to the next, uh, there, you know, it's a transition. And so Glenn and Sharon Ellard were headed over on the night of the AFC championship, right? So, so the Chiefs had played and beaten the Titans earlier in the day, and then that night, the Packers were playing the 40 Winers, and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, 49ers, 49ers, and um, so they were headed to their group, and, and just so you know, I checked on this because Glenn and Sharon are not here, and so I wanted to get their permission before I told the story, and I needed to make sure that I had the full story, because sometimes when you talk to a missionary and they tell you certain things, like you got... Uh, by the way, Jeremiah Henry's going to be with us on Wednesday night. He's going to be speaking, and it's going to be good. No, really, truly he is, and it's going to be good. He's going to bring God's honest truth, and so... Um, the Ellards were telling me, I, I did get their permission and talked to them yesterday about this, got the uh, day before about this, and kind of got the real rundown first person take. So they're pulling up to 
the house where this community group was. They'd only been there one time before. They were one of the first ones there, so there were no other cars outside, or there were only a few cars outside. And, and yet, just down the road, two houses down, there was a, a party going on for the Chiefs AFC championship game, okay, which happened earlier in the afternoon. So the party had been continuing all day. They see the cars and think, this is where our community group is. So they, yeah, they pull up, and the great thing about community groups, if you've not been in our community groups, you should really check it out, but the great thing is that there's community, and so you get really used to that kind of healthy fellowship where you don't have to feel obligated to knock on the door before you walk in. <laughs> and so they just walk right in, and she tells me, this is how she said it happened. She looks in there, and everybody's wearing red. And it had been a party that was going on all afternoon. And they'd been celebrating the AFC championship win by the Chiefs. And they walked in, and everybody turned and looked at them, and they said, I don't think we're in the right house. And according to her... The guy, which they assumed was the owner of the house, came over to her and put his arm around her and said, well, honey, who are you? <laughs> and they invited him to stay and have a drink with them. But the Ellards are good Christian folk. And so they said, I'm sorry, we got to get to the community group. And so they left and they headed over to their community group. And, and so anyways... Uh, <laughs> So you should check out community groups. Uh, I won't be here tonight. I'm going to be with our community group. Uh, we are not, um, I'm not particularly interested in going or watching the game. That's not something I'm, I'm not, but I am interested in the people that are in our community group. We love them. They're fantastic people, and we want to spend time um, with them. My kids asked me during the game, uh, the Packers playing the, the 49ers, and they were losing. They did lose. They asked me, who do you want to win? And I told them, it's complicated. <laughs> because if the Packers win, then for the last two weeks, I would have been thinking about the fact that the Packers had won and reading stories about it. And so I've just experienced incredible freedom this last week. And I don't care who wins, quite honestly. I mean, I'm all for the Chiefs winning or anybody who beats the 49ers. I'm all for that happening. But I don't particularly care. But we are going to have a good, good time uh, tonight, and so if you're if you're at a community group, if you're at a party uh, with with um, uh, uh, others who are Chiefs fans or 49ers fans or whatever, just have a good time. If you're here at church, man, have a great time here too. Uh, be full of joy, okay? Be full of joy. A couple things uh, today before you fully turn your attention to that Super Bowl. Uh, number one, uh, if you didn't sign up for it yet, you should go out to praise.fyi under message notes, sign up for uh, Pray Through February. Um, this month of February, we're two days in now, we are, as a church, focusing in on prayer. And our hope is that we can get the whole church focused together on prayer. And if you have not been receiving devotions for the last two days, receiving them at 4 a.m. every morning, um, then, then you did not sign up. But every morning, if you sign up, you will receive devotions emailed to your inbox 
um, from me, from the pastoral staff, from um, just the congregation here at Praise. People have prepared these, and we're going to be praying first for ourselves for the first week, second for our families the next week, next for our church the following week, and then finally for our nation. And we would love for everybody to be praying together through that. And so if you sign up for those devotions, you'll get that focused prayer um, emailed to you, and I encourage you to do that if you missed it. Um, uh, jump in now. You can also go to PrayFebruary.com, and you'll find all of those devotions uh, there on that website. Okay, PrayFebruary.com or Praise.FYI. Second thing is that we started uh, earlier this year, really the first week of the year, talking through um, and talking about the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we've, the way I've said it is, um, taking the first fruits of our attention and focusing in on the Holy Spirit. This is important. Um, he's important. And we want to make sure that we are honoring him with that attention. And as part of that, we've been kind of working through, starting with Scripture and not saying, hey, let's start with what we believe and then let's prove that, but let's walk through Scripture and see what that has to say about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's like and what he wants for us. Okay, and that's kind of led us to a couple of spots and I had planned on this being the last, actually I planned on last week being the last week of that, but it seems like we're not quite there yet. Today I sense, I believe, the Holy Spirit saying that you need to take a sidestep. Stay on that path, but take a sidestep, because there's something that the congregation very specifically needs to hear this morning. And I believe that is the case. And so if you would uh, grab your Bibles today, um, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. I want to talk to you about forgiveness. I won't tell you all the reasons why, but I've had confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that the Holy Spirit is speaking to this congregation right where we are right now and saying, you've brought some bitterness into this place. You've brought some weight of unforgiveness into this place. And it is time for you to leave that behind. So if you grab your Bibles or your phone and open up to praise.fyi, uh, you'll find there the passage we're going to be reading through. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. So turn to Ephesians chapter 5. There are certain passages that I have in my mind forever linked with certain times in my life. Um, specific moments where a specific passage of Scripture helped me through. And if you do not, I would encourage you to read your Bible more. Because the way the Holy Spirit works is as we are going through things, as He will bring Scriptures to us, specifically speak to us from that Scripture, and that will forever be marked by that moment. Okay? So, for example, Laverne Jackson, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. That passage is a passage that is forever marked because of a diagnosis she received, and then God using that passage in order to speak to her in that moment. And every time she sees Isaiah 41.10, she remembers God's faithfulness in that moment. Isaiah, or, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 is forever linked for me with the passing of a friend just about two years ago. This is the passage that God used in my life to see me through that time. It's the passage that I preached at his funeral. 
Aaron Roberts. It's a passage that will forever be marked, and I will never be able to go to this passage without thinking of him. But let's back up a few verses to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When I was a kid, I always knew that I was really in trouble when my mom used my whole name. When it was just Alan, she could be referring to my dad. He has the same first name as me. When it was Alan Joseph, it could be that she's just asking for me to come and is specifying between my father and me. But when she said Alan Joseph Bochamp, I knew something's up. And that if I wasn't paying attention before, my life's about to change and I should start paying attention now. I don't think I do this enough as a parent. I'm pretty sure it's called good parenting to do that sort of thing. When the full name is used, you know this is serious. Here you see the full name of the Holy Spirit. There are times in Scripture where you'll see him just referred to as God's Spirit, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. This is the only place in Scripture where you find it all. The Holy Spirit of God. In fact, I don't think you can even say it like that. I think when it's in this form in Scripture, you have to round the O on God. Right? The Holy Spirit of God. Okay, this is serious stuff. And so when Paul uses this, you know he's saying, pay attention. If you were tuning me out a moment ago, lock in, because what I'm about to say is hugely important to you. And here's what he says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve him. Don't hurt him. Don't cause him pain. Here's why. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There are certain people in our lives that we should make sure not to tick off. If you don't know that, you should not tick off your boss. Right? Young men, you should not tick off your girlfriend's father. That is never a good idea. In fact, I'm convinced in high school there should be a whole class on people who you shouldn't tick off in life. If you have to dump a class, dump calculus. Okay, that's not important. What is important is here's the people in your life that you should be hugely um, focused on not ticking off. Because if the day comes when you go for her hand in marriage and she's ticked or he's ticked at you, that's a bad deal. Okay? Here what Paul says is, you do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and here is why. Because you kind of know that he's the one who seals you for that day of redemption, right? Like, 
You know he's the one who's responsible for holding and keeping you and officially presenting you on that day for salvation. So, like, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, you don't want to treat that basket poorly. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because he's the one who has sealed you for that day. Okay? Continues on. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Like, that's all of it, right? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Let it all be put away from you. These are the things that will grieve the Holy Spirit. Continues, and this is the verse I want to do a deep dive on. Verse 32. Be kind to one another. Anytime Paul uses that one another there, he is talking about the church. The relationship between the people in this room right now. The relationship between people who are believers in Jesus Christ. Be kind. Specifically, he's talking about the kind of kindness that we should have towards one another. Okay? He says, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. That is an interesting word to stick in there. Tender-hearted. I think it's interesting. It's actually only used in two places in the Bible. This is one of those two. And here Paul is talking about forgiveness. And as part of that forgiveness, he tells them, you need to be tender-hearted. On Friday, I went for my annual checkup. Liz and I went at the same time. We're almost through flu season, but they offered us the flu uh, shot, and so we took it. And the nurse, right before she gives us that shot, asked, you know, or said, I said, is this going to hurt? She, she said, no. But afterwards, your shoulder will be tender. That was the biggest underestimation of all time. <laughs> like, from then on, for the rest of the day, it hurt. And, and my wife decided that it would be humorous to hit me right on that spot. Shame. Terrible. These are the things I deal with. May or may not have hit her on her spot first where she had received a shot. It's all out there. May or may not have happened. But that's what tenderness is, right? Like the smallest stimulus, right? Still to this day, it's a little tender. Ow! You know? 
but just the smallest stimulus. It doesn't need a lot. You just poke it, and it hurts. It has this feeling response to it. And, and so I guess when I read this, and Paul says here, he's about to tell them, you need to forgive one another, right? Don't you think he should say, and toughen up a little bit? Right? Because if he's about to tell them, forgive one another, why should he say, and make sure your heart is tender so that it doesn't take much to cause a little pain? Shouldn't he instead say, hey, thicken up your skin a little bit. Come on. You guys know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Be tough. Right? But he doesn't. He starts with, be tender-hearted. And I think this is hugely important. And I wish we could take more time just on that word, but we can't. What I will say is this. What God wants is not that we feel less, but that we feel more in line with what he feels. Because he made us in his image, and he feels, and his desire for us is that our feelings come in line with his feelings. Okay? So be tender-hearted, and then he says, forgiving one another. Same word, one another. So for the forgiveness that this is talking about here, this is the forgiveness that should be offered between believers. Okay, this is not speaking about the kind of forgiveness that you offer to somebody who has not repented. We talked about that on Wednesday night. For somebody who has done you wrong and doesn't sense that they've done wrong or care that they've done wrong and maybe are continuing to do you wrong. We talked about that on Wednesday night, and I can't re-preach that sermon. If you're interested in getting the notes for that, I would love to share those with you. All you need to do is shoot an email to hello at praiseassembly.org. Hello at praiseassembly.org. Hello at praiseassembly.org. If you send an email, we will get you the notes from Wednesday night. That was how you forgive somebody who doesn't care and has positioned themselves in the place of being unrepentant. How do you forgive them? This is speaking about you and me believers, people who have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, a believing husband and a believing wife, a believing church member and another believing church member, a parent and a child who have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ, and then the type of forgiveness that we should be offering to each other, okay? Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There is nothing that I believe characterizes or should characterize Christians more than forgiveness. And the reason for that is when you talk about the character of our God, there may be nothing else that characterizes our God more than forgiveness. In fact, even as Paul is talking about this here, as the Holy Spirit is using this scripture, or speaking through this scripture, what does he use as the image for our forgiveness? As God in Christ forgave you, even here, here's what I want to do. I want to keep chapter, verse 32 on the screen, and I want to 
include the next two verses along with it and reread that because I want you to see this, what he's talking about. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I don't know if you catch it from that, but what is right in the middle of that? Be imitators of God, right? And then right after it, there's a command, and right before that, there's a command. And the command after it is walk in love. And he says, okay, what is the image that you should use for walking in love? It's the passage that Jeremiah Hembry stood and read from right before the choir sang, or right as the choir was singing. When you're saying, okay, walk in love, what do you mean by walk in love? Look at Jesus Christ and see how he walked in love, and then you do the same thing. He loved us and gave himself up for us, a a fragrant offering and sacrifice before God. That is the image that he says to use when you're trying to figure out how do I walk in love. Okay, so now back up to verse 32, and he says, and forgive one another, and here's the pattern you should use. God the Father forgiving you in Christ Jesus. That is very specific. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What is that pattern? I am going to give you five things that are that pattern. And I know I'm not the kind of pastor that it's easy to take notes on. This is one of those things that's going to be easy to take notes on. So if you're the type of person to take notes, by the way, I pride myself on not being a pastor that's easy to take notes on. But today, I'm going to give you five things, and I'm going to give them to you really quickly. In fact, I'm not even going to give you verses to support them. I'm just going to tell you, here's how God forgave us in Christ Jesus, and you will know immediately as soon as you hear them. Yep. That's how God the Father forgave me in Christ Jesus. And then that will be the pattern that you should use for forgiving other believers in Christ. Number one, God in Christ forgave us. He forgave me. And when he did, he did not diminish the sin. He didn't say to me when I came to him in repentance, you know, Alan, it's not that big a deal. He didn't say, you know what, Alan, I didn't even notice you sinned. He did not come to me and say, oh, Alan, let me just sweep that right under there. (laughs) It's like I didn't even notice. You know what's the biggest bummer? When you heartfelt go to somebody and say, I wronged you, and I am sorry, and they say, you know, it's not even a big deal. I didn't even notice. I don't even care. You don't need to apologize. That's a bummer. Because it diminishes the sin. God recognized that there was a real breach in our relationship. Okay, And without recognizing that there's a real breach in the relationship, you cannot repair the breach in the relationship. 
And so if somebody comes to you and asks for forgiveness, do not say, oh, let's just sweep that. Bygones be bygones. Not a big deal. Because here's the thing. It will be. And the more we sweep things under the rug, the more awkward it gets to walk over the top of the rug. So at some point, just say, you know what? You're right. There is a breach. Let's find forgiveness. Because that's what God in Christ did for us. Second, God forgave us in Christ, and that forgiveness was perfectly just. It was perfectly just. God is perfect in his justice. He's perfect in his justice. And the only way he could forgive us is with that sin going on someone else. He was perfect in his justice. And for us, I think, part of our struggle is if I forgive this, they will never answer for it. And yet, every sin that has ever been committed is being committed and ever will be committed will come due. Everyone. The bill will be paid either in hell or in Jesus Christ on the cross. No sin slips by God. It's not 99.9% of sins. Every single one. God is perfectly just. Which means that as we release things, the way God wants us to approach it is trust me for justice. Find it all through Scripture. He is, don't, don't try to take this on your own shoulders. It is not for you to seek justice. I am just. Leave it with me. And what is our seeking of justice but a lack of faith in God and his perfect justice? I need to take care of this. I've got to make sure that they answer for this. All that says is, I do not trust you, God, to do what you said you would do. It's a lack of faith. God in Christ, perfect justice, and that forgiveness includes perfect justice. Number three. Number three. God in Christ forgave me and you truly. He doesn't wait a while and pull the receipts out and say, hey, you remember how I need you to do that thing for me? Remember how I forgave you? Pull it out and show it back to you? No. It was true and real and perfect forgiveness. There's no manipulation after the fact. He doesn't say, hey, let's take a look at that again. <laughs> Remember how I needed you to give in that offering? He doesn't do that sort of thing. 
When he forgives, he forgives far away as the east is from the west, right? Perfect forgiveness and grace, okay? So he forgives us truly. He forgives us completely. God in Christ forgave us in Christ. It was also incredibly expensive. It cost God something to forgive. And I believe it costs us something as well. When I forgive somebody and I trust God's perfect justice, then what happens is I say I'm no longer going to seek comeuppance. That is a great word, comeuppance. And you know what? We love comeuppance. Comeuppance is when the bad guy in the TV show gets what's coming to him. And we get to see it. That's comeuppance. My son, when the bad guy gets his comeuppance, literally stands and cheers. <laughs> yes! That is that inner desire to see something happen to somebody who deserves it. And it costs something to release that. It costs something for me to say, that's not for me, that's for God, he's got it. Finally, God in Christ forgave me totally without me earning it. He didn't wait until I did enough good stuff to offset the bad stuff. He didn't wait until I deserved it. He forgave me when I was far away from deserving it. It wasn't because of what I did that I deserved the forgiveness. It was because of what Jesus Christ did. God looked on Jesus Christ crucified and forgave me. And we should do the exact same thing. We should look on Jesus Christ crucified and forgive one another. I believe that this was always something that God intended to be one of those things that distinguished his followers and shined brightly on the truth of the gospel message. I think he always intended it for it to be the type of thing that so clearly communicated this is totally unnatural. It is so far beyond what is expected. And he intended for that to be something that so clearly declared to those around us that there is something different about these people. And that's why I think it can be so incredibly deadly to our faith. Deadly to our internal development. Deadly to the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Deadly to Christian community. Deadly to our witness and actually deadly to our salvation 
because this is who God is, and we are made in his image, and he wants us to imitate him in this. And so when we abort that process, I think there are incredible ramifications for it. And what I love, I guess, from this passage is when you back up and you look at it, go back to verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. What doesn't that say? It doesn't say, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander from you. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. It might seem like a small difference, but it's huge. The difference is, that verb put away is not active. It's passive. What's awesome about that is active means, I do this. What's passive is, this is done to me. So read it again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, and clamor is just loud, angry yelling, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. The Holy Spirit's work inside of us is this. And so Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all of these things be put away from you. He's saying, this is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But we have to let him do it. He's saying, give it to me. Let it go. And I think more often than not, what's happening is we're gripping so tightly to it that we're not letting him. So Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all of these things be put away from you. That is what the Holy Spirit desires for you. And if you cling so deeply and so, so tightly to it, then what's going to happen is you're going to miss his work inside of you. And ultimately, according to Scripture, salvation. If we're gripping so tightly to unforgiveness, we will miss the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He wants to do this work inside of us. And I really believe 
that the Holy Spirit is speaking to this church right now, saying there's some unforgiveness that needs to be dealt with. You've got to get this out, because it will keep me from working inside of you. Today, I don't want that for this church. If I have wronged you, I am so sorry. If someone else has wronged you, be open with them. Tell them the truth. Seek forgiveness. Recognize that a real breach was made. And also recognize that God in Christ forgave you. Forgive. Forgiveness is not the same as the lack of unforgiveness, too. Forgiveness is not just not being bitter. Forgiveness is something, like saying that health is the lack of sickness. That is not truth. Forgiveness is something more, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of each and every one of us. Today I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we did keep the majority of our worship for here at the end, and we are going to take a time, and we're going to have some worship here. We're also going to have opportunity for people to pray, and for people to seek God. I mean, ultimately, that's what we're doing here. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to seek God for forgiveness. Maybe you need to come and just fall on the ground up in the front during this time of worship, but we're going to take some time and ultimately just seek God right now. But if there is unforgiveness in your heart, the Holy Spirit would speak to you today and say, it's time for you to release that. That bitterness and that wrath and that anger and that slander and that clamor, all of it. It's got to go. It's got to go. And that is his work inside of you. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were saved, by whom you were sealed for that day of redemption. The one who covers you and protects you and keeps you between here and there. That one. Don't grieve him. Instead, allow him to do that work inside of you today. Hallelujah. There's two words in that verse that are hugely important for us. In Christ. In Christ. Let me tell you what is not the gospel. God forgave you. God swept it under the rug. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God in Christ forgave you. That he saw fit to lay on him the iniquity of us all. And on that cross, he bore our sins and we can be forgiven in perfect justice and in perfect grace. If you've accepted a gospel any less than that, that's not the gospel. The good news 
is that your sin is gone. It's not hiding. You're not going to find it later on. It's gone. As far away as the east is from the west, buried in the sea of forgetfulness. That's the gospel. God in Christ forgave you. But that in Christ is so hugely important. Put your faith in Christ today. Anywhere else does not result in the forgiveness of your sins. And if you accept anything less than that, then you are not saved. It is only in Christ that we can have that forgiveness. Today, if you're in here and you have never put your faith in that sacrifice, declaring Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you have an opportunity to right now. Scripture is clear. Declare him as Lord. Say, you are Lord. You have it all. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. This morning, I'm going to pray, and as I do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to agree with that prayer, to confess him as Lord of your life, to believe in your heart that he is who he said he was, and you can be saved. Join with me. Father, right now, I come in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name by which I can approach you. It is the name of Jesus. In Christ, you forgive us. So we come in the name of Christ right now. And Lord, I do declare you as Lord. And I believe there are people who are in this room who have been running from you, O God. But your goodness has been chasing after them. And right now is the time of reckoning. Your Holy Spirit is working on their heart right now. And that message of Jesus Christ is very clear in their eyes. The enemy would work to blind them, but right now that message is clear. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would do a miracle in them. That they would, along with me, confess with their mouths, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I have no hope in anyone but in him and his sacrifice for my sins. I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I believe the scriptures are true of him, that he came, that he died, that he rose again. I believe that deeply today, oh God. May that happen today. Do miracles in this room right now. Do miracles in people's lives right now. Oh, bring them into your kingdom, oh God. Forgive them right now in Christ Jesus, I pray. And hallelujah, I pray for those who literally during these songs had tight fists. But you, by your Holy Spirit, opened those fists and they released all the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the malice and the wrath and the anger and the clamor, oh God. The slander, it's all gone. God, I pray for a powerful anointing of your Holy Spirit to work in their lives and that a new work would be called awake inside of them and that they would see you in ways that they've not seen you before because of this. Oh God, continue that work, I pray. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, I ask it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you're in here and you need prayer for anything this morning, in a moment I'm going to dismiss, and when I do, and people head out the door, instead of stepping out and heading out the door, would you step out and come down to the front? 
This prayer team is committed to pray with you today, and not just today, but all week long. So if you need prayer for anything, they'd love to pray with you and commit to pray with you. And if you're in here and for the very first time you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, instead of heading out, would you step out and come down to the front? They'd love to talk with you about this monumental thing that has happened in your life. Okay? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this week. God bless you. Have a great day.